0: Hi there. Welcome to The Preventable, the podcast giving you a seat at the table with conversations about the intersection of alcohol, drugs, and mental health in everyday lives. Take a seat and join us. Welcome to Preventable. With me today, I have making her inaugural appearance (laughs) on a podcast, Cynthia. And Cynthia is the interim CEO of Safe Connections.
1: Correct. How long have you been
0: with Safe Connections?
1: Actually, um, today is the 20th, so three three years. <laughs> three years. Is today like your anniversary? Uh, a couple of days ago. Whoa, days okay, ago. well, happy anniversary. Thank
0: you. You're welcome. And you interim CEO, I mean, that's like a big title. You used to be director of development. Now you're doing that and CEO.
1: Yes, yes. It, it's, Are you it's breathing? Really a, a little bit, a little bit. I. You know, I've kind of, this has been going on since like May 1st, so... I've learned to kind of manage both, but I have a remarkable development and marketing team. So it makes it makes it a little easier. It makes it a lot easier.
0: Um I I have so many questions about you, but then also I have questions about safe connections. So okay. when when we talk about safe connections, in my brain, when I refer to people to you, um, what I say is that you have let's see if I'm getting this right, you have a hotline for people who are experiencing domestic violence or sexual assault. Mm -hmm. You also teach in schools, healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, You do a lot of work around LGBTQ kind of identity and also like acceptance, like when you're working with youth and like you, for example, you come into our organization and help make sure that we're using the right terms and that we understand why LGBTQ folks might struggle with substance use disorders at different rates just because of all the stuff that they're dealing with.
1: Correct. Correct. And so when it comes to the LGBTQIA plus community, what we work with, uh, we would come into a company, an organization, a school and talk and create and do what we call our safe zone training. Yes. And what that does is teach those that staff or that team how to make their workspace a safe environment for members of that community. And just, you know, about acceptance, um, you know, because all of us are different. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it makes sense for us to be able to do that and create a safe workplace. For for that, so
0: you're creating safe communities, safe workplaces, safe schools. yes,
1: yes, yeah. and um, so one of the things when and you talked about when our work with youth, mm-hmm. um it's primarily focused on what safe relationships look like mm-hmm. um and and you know, now technology is huge with our youth. And so we talk about what that looks like, what a potential what could be some potential technological red flags if you will um for youth you know like if you're being asked for pictures of certain things yeah if you're being asked for pictures but it can even be as simple as um a guy or a girl asking their significant other for their password Password. Mm. yeah check looking on their social media accounts and questioning you know why did you like her picture or something like that um those are kind of red flags and, you know, things like, well, you don't need to go hang out with your girls today. You need to hang out with me. Um, just things of that nature, trying to isolate them and get them away from their family and friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I speak in terms when I'm referring to maybe an abuser um, because 80 percent of the time the abuser is a male, whereas the, the victim is the. The female, is which is why many times, female. yes, which is why many times
0: you'll use the pronouns associated exactly. with a male abuser. But we also know, and I just heard you talking um, previously about how. Males are absolutely victims or yeah. or um, targets, yes, yes, of unhealthy relationships, but are less likely to report speak it. about it and report it.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's one of the things that we work with, especially with our youth, and we talk about with with our guys and girls groups. And it's really important with our guys groups to kind of have them mirror what it's what is appropriate behavior. Um, and then there you know, these are ones that are influential in their schools. People follow them yes. and like them and look up to them. And they have a lot of influence. They have a lot with of those, influence. With their, yeah, with their uh, friends. Yeah. And so you
0: want them to harness that exactly. influence, like for good, not evil. For, exactly.
1: Yeah. Harness that for good. And if you see a friend of yours that's engaging in some dangerous behavior or questionable behavior, call them out. Exactly. Call them out and say, "Hey, is that something you should be doing, or why would you talk to her like that?" You know, just things of them that, that nature, really holding them accountable.
0: So, Domestic Violence Awareness Month is October. Yes. So we're we're in the middle of it as we're we're taping this. You're That's wearing purple. purple, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I actually used to work in the DV sexual assault arena before I moved back to St. Louis. So okay. Um, so I very much appreciate what you do i've organized a lot of take back the night rallies and things like that and and i think one thing that is a common question that i'm sure you get tired of hearing mm-hmm. is why does she stay right the, why yeah. does she stay why doesn't she just leave and mm-hmm. well and then a similar follow up question usually is well i don't see any marks on her
1: yeah and so <laughs> Abuse can take several forms. Mm -hmm. And so first, let's address the question, why doesn't she leave? Yeah. It's not always that simple. That's really oversimplifying it where the question rather should be, why doesn't he stop abusing? And so especially when there are children involved. Yes. There may be pets involved. Yes. There may be some kind of... Finances. Exactly. I was just going to say that. And so there are many reasons why a person, male or female, cannot just get up and walk away. And that's one of the things that... Reasons why someone could call our crisis helpline. Because if they are experiencing domestic violence and it's not that simple for them to just leave, they can call and they can call our 24-hour crisis helpline and now they can text us. And so... What what our advocates do is help them create a safety plan. Yes. Um, they're the best architects of their own lives, so um, our advocates work with them to create a safety plan. And number one, when they call that crisis helpline, um, the number one question we want to know, are you safe now? Mm. Because if they're not, then we need to get them to a safe place. Right. Yeah. And And so... Rather than asking that question, is uh, it's not always black and white or not so easy to leave. Yes. It's really not. And so we focus more on why doesn't that person, that abuser, stop abusing. Yeah. I don't, this is not intended to
0: be a controversial question, mm-hmm. but do you work with uh, people who were are abusers no we do not okay are there or there are organizations that do right and there are
1: but they're they're, i don't know of any in our community right now practice anymore Um, because i used
0: to live in southern louisiana and there were and that's where i did this work mm -hmm. and there were several programs that claim to have very high effective you know high high success rates in rehabilitating abusers
1: oh that makes me real leery me, me too. And again, and I'm not trying our, to be
0: controversial, but that just—I
1: don't know. That yeah. I buy that. I, I'm, I'm not at that place either. And you know, just because I've heard from uh, some of our practitioners that we don't have—I don't know of any better intervention programs in our community. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd be hard pressed to find some, um, because I don't, I don't believe that they're that effective. Right. I honestly don't. Yeah, I don't believe that. They I don't know are that the, the effect, evidence shows that, that they affected. are right. Right. right, right. So, so
0: we talked a little bit about males or people who identify as males and the the fact that the reporting of their domestic violence or their sexual assault traumas is, is low,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: because of all of the issues that come with that mm-hmm. shame and stigma and kind of what society tells you you're supposed to be and all of exactly. that stuff. Um, I also know that another kind of myth is that most of, like, sexual assault, for example, is done by a stranger, right? That it's this idea of this, like, creeper in the middle of the night, like, breaking into your, your window, and, like, you're like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know
1: you. And that's really not the case, correct? That, no, it is not. Most sexual assaults occur between two individuals who know each other. Um, yeah, it's just that simple. And especially if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because they're the ones who have access to the potential victim. Mm -hmm. Um, It's someone that they trust um, and that they would not think about something like that happening um, when it has happened. Yeah. 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 And I think about... um, College students. Oh yeah. And so, with our Safe Connections on Campus, that's one of our, our program uh, under prevention education that's implemented on college campuses. And so, in addition to talking to, with the staff about um, uh, safe zone training and making that environment safe for members of the LGBTQIA plus community, we talk to the students about safe relationships on and off campus yes and how to you know protect yourself how to look for different things and different signs and, and things of that nature and i think some one thing that comes to mind we got a, a, a request just uh this morning from a group of college students who wanted to raise funds for Safe Connections? They were—they're ha- having some kind of party, but they're doing a signature drink, and they wanted to have—they wanted to promote that drink. The purchase of that drink is benefiting Safe Connections. We can't do that. Um, we would not do that. Why? Because if you think about it, as per- <gasps> sexual assault. <laughs> well, I know. Yeah, you, but right? Yes. But yeah, if you think about it, I mean. That's one of the things that can really exacerbate a, a sexual assault or lead to Be, someone being sexually the assaulted. Because prefrontal
0: cortex starts to go to judgments and, and yeah. risk-taking and all of the things.
1: All of that, yeah. And that's not something, you know, we had to politely thank them for thinking about Safe Connections, but no. no. <laughs> but no, 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 that and especially them, with college. Oh, students, right.
0: Be, and you want them to know like how to, you know, walk through campus with your eyes alert and whatever. But it's also like think about what decisions you're making at the party or the bar. And then when you go back, like what?
1: Yeah. 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 It just reminds me it reminded me of a conversation that I had with my daughter. When she went off to college, she's almost 32 now. But I remember having the conversation with her that if you go out with your friends, you know, and you're drinking, if you put your drink down to go to the bathroom or dance or something, don't come back and pick that drink up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then be really, be be careful about what, how much, one, how much you drink and who you go to the party with. With. And, and
0: how are you getting home? Do you have a plan? Okay, I, this is a true confession. Yeah. We used to have a program in the late 90s that was called booze and sex oh my god i know and it explored the relationship between drinking or other substances and what you may or may not do or decide to do or whatever my how the times have changed haven't they could you imagine having a presentation right now called booze and sex for high school students (laughs)
1: <laughs> but, I mean, but, but, but you, I think you have to think about it, and we have to start those conversations exactly. earlier and helping them understand the correlation um, and lowering their inhibitions and, and, you know, where they normally may not be willing to have sex with somebody, how that alcohol can affect that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, what would you say if somebody's like, oh, well, she was, she was drinking too much. She probably deserved it. Or she was drinking too much, and she ran her mouth, and so no wonder— you know, he lashed out at her or, well, if she wasn't wearing that dress or that short of a skirt, I know,
1: I know you these are that things after- that are like <laughs> offensive,
0: but <laughs> I, I mean, also know that there are people who still think those things.
1: And I know you know that too. they are. That's they a huge are. part
0: of your job is telling people stop that. It
1: stop is thinking never, of that. it is never, ever the survivor's fault. And Which is what I would definitely tell them after I took a deep breath. Yeah, after you took a deep Count to Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm ten. No, it's never the it's never the survivor's fault. It's never the person who was assaulted fault. You know, no matter how
0: short their dress is, no matter how they could be walking
1: naked, it is still not their fault. You know, it's not their fault. It's just that simple because that individual made the choice to take advantage of this person. Who was inebriated or naked or whatever, they made that conscious decision to take advantage of that person. It is never that survivor's fault, which is a lot the reason that I think I hear that I've heard most often from college students as to why they didn't report a rape yes. or a sexual assault. Yes, they felt like it was their fault, and they shouldn't have been drinking or somebody. And, you know, the sad thing is that can come from one of your friends. Well, you shouldn't have been drinking. If you hadn't been drinking, that wouldn't have happened. You know, things of that nature, but it is never that survivor's I mean, it fault. could come from
0: a nurse. It could come from a first responder, yes, which yes. is a whole other period of training i mean that's a whole yes. other topic you yes. provide a lot of training to first responders to nurses to people who are literally first responders saying so that they don't say the wrong thing
1: yeah and that's there one are wrong of the things, things to say. yes definitely especially when somebody has just been has it's just been raped yeah or has just been taken advantage of assaulted um yeah and so that's one of the things that i really appreciate about um The city of St. Louis mayor, Tashara Jones, Uh and about them hiring the social workers and working with them. I I feel like that's going to be have a great positive impact on the community. Because there's that empathy, there's that crisis Mm de-escalation,
0: not the blaming, things like that, which doesn't always happen. Right, right. But it it happens
1: enough to where we need to address it. So you do hard
0: work. Your staff do hard work. Yes. What keeps you going? I mean,
1: why do you why do you do this? Because it's hard. It's hard. It is. It is. And it and can be heavy. It, oh, it's definitely heavy. And I think about that, especially with our counselors, uh, with our therapists, because we will get, um, say, a new counselor, maybe fresh out of school mm. or, or, high, or uh, out of college, and they want to help people. They want to deal with domestic violence or sexual assault. Those are the, the uh, causes they want to deal with. And they get into this work and see how hard it is and how heavy it is Um, and they can't do it and they they end up leaving. The burnout is high. Exactly and that's just a fact of the of that of that profession and dealing with DVSV, and that's why um, you know self-care is really important for us at Safe Connections. We do a lot of things to help our help our uh, staff kind of mellow out, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. whether that means, hey, you need to take a, tell them, uh, you, you need to take a, a mental health day or take a day of vacation or earn personal time or something. Um, Yeah. So to, to take care of themselves, to take care of themselves, because if they don't take care of themselves, they can't help the clients. Right. And the work is so needed.
0: It is. October it is. is one month that the work gets highlighted, but there's work that's being done, the other 11
1: months of the year. Yes, definitely. And I think about with this on with the onset of um, COVID. Yes, ma'am. And especially in the beginning where we were sheltering in place and how you know our, our previous our past CEO Susan Kidder, we had a discussion and we were really we were extremely concerned because our numbers were dropping. Yes, and ours were too. Yeah, and yes. and they, they were dropping because now these survivors did not have were not able to call or come in for therapy or even call for therapy, um, and so because they and, were under
0: kind of constant watch, exactly constant control. Yes,
1: and it really concerned us when it came to the youth because. They were at home. They weren't no longer in the schools where you had teachers yes, and other school staff, with eyeballs, exactly that could yes. lay eyes on them. And we were really concerned about, really concerned about our youth, really concerned. And so, you know, we had to be creative and figure out, okay, where can we meet them at? Where, where, what, how can we make this still reach reach them? Social media. Exactly, we had to use the avenues that they use, you know, exactly. for communicating in that.
0: Which is one of the reasons why we started this podcast, right? We were just looking for another way to reach people, another way to to kind of have people's ears, so to speak, as they're in their car, or, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think as nonprofits who are who have a mission just to help people, mm-hmm. um, we have to constantly be innovative. And I yes. think that. You know, Safe Connections, in my humble opinion, is one of the most innovative, um, probably closest to what I would dub like the real work than just about any other nonprofit. I think you all have thank a you. ragtag group of people
1: Yeah, thank um, you.
0: who are just killer. And um, I- I'm just really honored that you joined us today because I know it's a busy month. because yeah. Everybody... <laughs> You know, wants to pay a lot of attention in October. So I'm really happy and grateful that you took time to shed some light on uh, the amazing work that Safe Connections does. But also just the topics of DV and SV, domestic violence and sexual violence in general. So thank you so much for coming today.
1: Thank you for the invitation. I'm, I'm, I feel honored. Thank, thank you. you. I really appreciate you. And
0: if you like this conversation, if you want more, if you're like leaning in saying, oh, my gosh, I want to learn more about Safe Connections, please like, rate, subscribe to the Preventable Podcast. And um, I, I really I hope that we just have more time to talk. So thank you yeah, so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining
0: us at The Preventable, brought to you ad-free by PreventEd. Prevent Ed works to reduce or prevent the harms of alcohol and other drug use through education, intervention, and advocacy. Please visit their website at prevented.org. Like what you heard? Rate, review, and subscribe to stay up to date with what we are serving on The Preventable.